Hello and welcome to this week's BWB Extra, where we continue our conversation with Jamelia Donaldson, founder and CEO of Treasure Tress, a leading monthly product discovery box for women and girls with textured hair. We hear about Jamelia's experiences starting the business as a black female founder in a predominantly white and Asian dominated industry, as well as more about the business model itself, the effect of Brexit, Treasure Tress's biggest markets and future plans for expansion. You know, being a young black woman starting a business, Mm -hmm. was it hard? Um, Definitely. For so many reasons, I would say primarily because... You look like you're about 12, to be fair. So that's... <laughs> I love that. I'm actually 31. <laughs> um, I would say primarily because my mum's an educator. Her mum was an educator. So they were like, you're leaving a finance job to like do Where your you're making thing. good money. Where you're making good money. She's yeah. like, do you know how long I worked to like earn a decent salary? So that was quite hard. Like my family understanding what I was doing. But then it's that thing of like looking younger than your age, being a woman and being black and the beauty industry is very much run by like middle-aged white men and middle-aged Asian men. So going into the room as like a young black woman, a lot of the comments were like, mm, maybe you should be one of our models. And I was like, no, actually, like the reason why I'm here is because I've got this really exciting brand, like completely disruptive. It's really taken off in the US, huge potential to do the same in the UK. Would love to have your brand involved. So a lot of the time it was quite hard to be taken seriously. Yeah. But I think reputation definitely helps with that once you start building momentum. Have you kind of bootstrapped it yourself? Yes, that was the main struggle. (laughs) Um, I've completely bootstrapped myself since inception. Primarily, it was because when I started, I had it in my mind that I needed to establish a really successful business and then get funding. And then maybe by year two, I thought maybe I can get some investment now. But when I was having conversations with investors at accelerator programs, they were like, Um, I like the idea, don't really understand the need. You should definitely expand it so that you provide care, care for everyone. And it was like, this isn't a problem for everyone because most people can go to the high street and get any product that they want. So it was like that lack of understanding. And then the Taurus in me was like, I can't keep trying to sell this issue. Like I would just rather spend my time creating a solution. So then I just went back to the drawing board and just continued bootstrapping and like just building what I'm building. I've seen this before in a slightly different, I had some clients that had like a blow dry like business empire I was going to say it wasn't really an empire but they had like three or four shops that just did blow dry yeah right which you don't see it actually so much now but like definitely before covid it was a really big thing Mm -hmm. but they would go and pitch to people their concept and like you know you'd be sitting in front of a load of white men middle-aged men they'd be like what you've just got a shop that just it doesn't cut people's hair no it just blow dries people's hair. I, that doesn't seem like a thing. Why would anybody want to do that? And they had no idea that it was something that people would buy. And so you've got to get them over the concept before you even start on anything yeah. else. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so you're almost already at a disadvantage because yeah. they just don't get it. And then you have to prove that it's a viable business and then that's another challenge itself. So yeah, I kind of just in disengaged from speaking to investors and was just like, let me just build the business and well, build the community. You can do it without. You, yeah. keep, you keep all the equity yourself anyway. Yeah. Might as well. Yeah. So when did you start the business? What year are we talking? November 2015. Oh, so it's been going for quite a long time now. Yeah, it has. It has. At the beginning, I think it's cheeky for me to call it a business because I was literally like evenings, weekends, primarily me, my friends, family, um, packing boxes Stuffing and stuff. things in literally boxes. Literally taking yeah. over my mum's front room, dining room, uh, everywhere 
But I would say by about year three, we started operating a bit more like a business and I actually had a team to support me as opposed to just doing it myself. So can you buy your products not in the subscription or is it subscription only? Um, It's cheaper via the subscription, but select boxes are available outside of the subscription service. Yeah, because I had a look online mm-hmm. before this and you can buy the June box or yes. the, like May box or yeah, whatever. Exactly, yeah. So like if you if you feel like you're not sure, you want to try it, or there was a specific box that really grabbed your attention, then you can go for that one. But if you're on the subscription, you don't know what's coming next. So if you buy it that way, you almost miss out on the surprise element. Mm-hmm. And a lot of the time, the surprises are very epic. What, what's your kind of price point in terms of what people pay for a subscription. Yeah, so the subscriptions are £25 plus postage and packaging. Oh, wow. But the value of the box can range from anywhere from like £40 to £180. Okay, so you get, and you're doing that by buying in bulk? So we work with brands by way of marketing. So they use us for their sampling. So they use us for our sampling um, and then they also work with us to do campaigns, content, influencer outreach, that kind of thing as well. Sounds brilliant. I kind of wish you were doing it not just for curly hair. (laughs) (laughs) I like to say that Treasure Trust is the bridge between brands and community because a lot of curly hair brands in the US are black owned and doing really, really well. So they naturally understand the community and can speak to them. Um, once they come to the UK, there's that slight disconnect because they're in America, we're in the UK. And then as curly hair has become more glamorized and a lot more women are embracing it, a lot more brands want to provide products for that demographic. But equally, they've ignored them for so long that that trust just isn't there. So we like to operate as almost like the middleman to like introduce them to community, help them tap into our community, educate our community on their products, but then also do the same for them. So educate them on our community provide feedback on the products and like really key points that they can take on board to improve the formulation of their products, the marketing, which is a huge thing, and just the way that they engage community. There's a lot of work to be done there. And I suppose from your point of view, the kind of subscription model works really well as a business because you've just got to, you know, like it's really easy to see whether you're making money or not. Yes. It's really easy to see what your likely revenue is going to be. Yes. Yeah. There's definitely huge upside to the subscription model. I would say that There's huge upside. It does take a lot of continual care. So I always compare it to like a relationship when you have a subscription business, like you're literally dating your subscribers all the time. (laughs) Like you have to take them on date night and like wow them every so often to keep them engaged, to keep them talking to you. Like the October box. Like the October box. So yeah, there's a lot that you need to do to maintain that subscriber base, Um, but it's definitely worth it. And I think that the way that you get to understand your consumer, I think tops any other model because it's just that constant back and forth like they're always talking to you in dms on emails on comments you just get to know the community and the consumer so well that you're able to make better decisions for them in the future so the way that we select products is very much based on the feedback that we've had from them it sounds like your kind of business model you get to the point when actually people are coming and knocking on your door and saying i'd like to put my product in your box please so we have a lot of brands that say like hi we're launching in the uk can't wait but we know that we need to put our brand in your box first. And for a lot of brands, it almost is like that 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 blue tick of verification. Like if it's in a treasure trust box, then you know that it works. Yeah. And are you finding that now? Has your business got to the point where that's happening to you? Yeah. It sounds like it has. It's great to no longer have to like cold call and cold yeah. email people. Yeah. And finally people have coming to you now. Literally yeah. like, hey, can we build out a strategy? This is the budget for the year. Let's do it. 
it's it feels a lot better that way. And what does your team look like? How many how many employees have you got? So we have five full time, three remote, and then we work with a fulfillment center to send out our boxes. Last year, I think there were like twenty of us because we done everything in house. So for like the first six years, everything was completely in house from pitching to brands, client meetings, packing the boxes. It all took place in one space. But it was really taxing and really difficult to manage that many people in one space. So pivoting, well, changing our model and just making it make sense operationally. Streamline. Streamlining it. Did you find Brexit was sort of a good thing or a bad thing? it was a terrible thing. We had, like, France was our second biggest market. Now it's like our fourth. Because people are like, look, I love the boxes, but I'm paying more for customs than I am the actual box. Oh, man. Yeah. So, yeah, it was was not fun. Lockdown was fun, but Brexit wasn't. (laughs) Did people literally kind of go, well, I can't get to the shops and I'm really bored and I'm stuck at home. Oh, I'll order a box that will come and I won't know what's in it. Absolutely. We built a wait list of 12,000 women over lockdown who were like, look, I... All of the hair shops that specialise in hair products for black hair weren't deemed essential essential stores. Is that what they were calling them? They weren't deemed essential, so they weren't open. So ultimately, if you had curly hair and you wanted a very specific product, you couldn't go and get it. So, so many women were like, look, there's this service called Treasure Trust. They deliver the products direct to your door. They help you discover new brands for a really affordable price. And so it got to the point where we couldn't take any more customers on. And we were like, okay, we've got to build a wait list, but... It was great that so many women were talking about the brand. Obviously, it goes without saying that BLM had a big impact on that because yeah. so many brands were being a lot more intentional about working with Black-owned brands, connecting with Black consumers in an authentic way. So it kind of had a knock-on effect. And now, a quick word from our sponsor. Clark got its start back in 1935 and while the world has changed a bit it's more than just survived from complying with the FCA and all things financy they can also speak fluently in the language of legalese. Ori Clark was born and raised right here in the UK and now for 20 years they've been helping others get set up and on their way. Ori Clark's doors always open and happy to provide straight talking financial and legal advice since 1935. Big shout out to Sean Veer Singh for a stellar jingle. You can find him at Sean Veer Singh Music on Instagram. And at this point, let me quickly remind you to give us a nice review, please, on Apple Podcast or follow us on Spotify so you'll never miss an episode. Now back to the chat. So which are your biggest markets now? If France has slipped off. UK by far, then US, then Netherlands. So you're then managing France. to sell to the US who was the kind of... The, the, yeah, it's so funny. started this. <laughs> Literally, because the shipping is not cheap. But I think it says something about like community, which I think is so undervalued by really big brands. Like there is this ritual with our brand whereby when you get your box, you open it, you snap it, you share it on IG, TikTok, Snapchat, whichever platform you use. And then there's this like, oh, like what did you get in the box? What did you think about it? Um, and there's like an online conversation that's always happening and that's really important for women I think it's just that shared experience that we all love especially during Covid when we didn't have that yeah yeah it was like everyone just couldn't wait for parcels I know that our rubbish men were fed up of us (laughs) in our recycling (laughs) 
And the postman probably too. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> Got to know him very well. But it is that nice idea of it's a surprise as well. I yeah. mean, it's something really useful, but it's also you're just not quite sure what you're going to get. Yeah, yeah. That's really cool. Yeah, it's like that surprise and delight. Also, as a brand, accepting that, okay, everyone's not going to love everything. Um, but when they do love it, it's great. We have a lot of subscribers that say like, hey... Because of Treasure Trust, I found the products that I love. So thank you so much. Do they then stop using Treasure Trust because they go and get that one brand? Yeah. So for a long time, that was the case. But we've now built out the capability so that you can continue to receive the products that you love as a subscription itself. Okay. So they can go, they can try a load of different things and go, I really like that particular product. Exactly. And then you will just send them that particular product at the discounted price. Yeah. So that seems like a no-brainer as a consumer. As a consumer, it's just easy. For you, can you still, like, service that from a- um, We can. It's still, it's still, like, very much beta, so we haven't yeah. publicised it wise, widely while we sort out the operations of it. But I think that there's huge potential there. I'm excited to see what we can do with it because it's great news when they say they've found what they need, but then for a long time we were missing the tricks. It's like, okay, we introduced you to the brand. We'd love to keep you stocked up with that brand. So we were losing customers completely by not being able to do that. So now it's nice to be able to continue to have that relationship with them. How are you going to stop them finding that product on Amazon and doing the same thing there? Is that a problem for any of your products? Or is it niche no, enough? Amazon comes, it's like way at the bottom of the list when we ask our subscribers where they shop. Interestingly, interesting. that is interesting. I think it is because there's a lot of um, fake products on the market generally for natural hair. So when it's Amazon, unless it's coming from that brand specifically, and unless you can verify that, you do run the risk of it being a fake product. So you don't necessarily want that. Yeah, I hadn't realised this, but a lot of what Amazon sells are fake products. I'm not sure whether yeah, no, that I've, is I've discovered that from something I'm not allowed to say. Kind of slightly <laughs> random, random things like. Well, anyway, buying random things from from China or whatever. And there's a picture on Amazon, you think, oh, yes, that's great, you know, and it's really cheap. But when it's really cheap, I mean, you should know. But it's also, as a brand, very hard to police that kind of, you know, people making fake stuff. Yeah, I've heard that there's whole factories that are, like, dedicated to replicating particular hair products. And so even some of the shops, when you go into there, you can't guarantee that it's a genuine product which is really scary because then who's protecting the consumer from the harmful ingredients if it's not even a real product? How do you verify your products? That doesn't happen in your production line. Do you go straight to the suppliers? Yeah, we deal with the brands directly, which relieves us of that worry. Have you got any plans to kind of expand it or is it always just going to be hair? So we've been experimenting with skincare recently, which has, we've actually had a really good response to it. So continuing to keep our eye on what we can do with like body and skin but I do think that may hair will be the the majority of our subscriptions going forward I love all things beauty but here's like my main thing and I know that's how a lot of our subscribers discovered us and so it, it is a bit of a split pool like a lot of women are like this is exciting I can find hair and skin in the same place and others are like mm, I subscribe to this box for hair like can you just give me hair products and it gets more and more complex if t- Different people want different things in their boxes. Exactly. And then allergies was a huge one when we introduced skincare because it was like, I'm actually allergic to that. And we were like, "Uh, we didn't think about that when we put that in the box. So You can be allergic to hair products though, can't you as well? Yeah. But for some reason, there were just so many skin specific issues that women were like, I can't even try this product because I can't run the risk because I suffer with X. And we just don't seem to have that if you know that you have like particular issues with your scalp or with your hair, you don't tend to subscribe to product discovery. 
Um, so I think where it was skincare and they had subscribed to like hair discovery, it was kind of like, mm, this isn't really what I subscribed for. And then there were others that were like, this is great. Like I can try everything in one place. So yeah, just continuing to listen to the consumer and take their direction is... And it sounds like as, you know, part of part of what you offer is that conversation. Yes. With people. Conversation. Personal big. kind of interaction. Yeah. It's a big part. A lot of what we've done from day one was host a lot of events so that we get to know, we can put names to faces, we can hear feedback firsthand. And again, community is just so underrated and it's so, so powerful. So uh, when you asked what I was working on at the beginning, I mentioned the pop-up shop and for the month of November, we've got 10 events pretty much back to back. Oh, wow. And those events aren't just hair events. They're like a variety of different things from like money management to scaling up your business, to taking care of your hair, to learning how to braid. So it's a real proper community. Yeah, exactly. So your, your pop-ups in Birmingham, yes. where have you done them before? So you've done them in years before? Yeah, we have. So the first year, that was 2018, we done it on Peckham High Street. And we Is were, that where you're based? No, okay. it was where our community manager was based. And she was like, look, it will be cool. There's a few hair shops around that we can rival. We were expecting about 500 people and 1,500 people came and it was like literally a queue Whoa. all the way down the road. So we were like, okay, cool. We're on to something. The next year we moved to Shoreditch and we took Very over- Very trendy. Right. <laughs> we took over Hoxton Arches. And nice. the theme for that store and something that's quite key to us is that we say that we don't do events, we create experiences. So- Hoxton Arches, we turned that into a house and we called it Home of TT. Playing on the fact that everyone that engages with our brand always says it feels like a sisterhood, it feels like family. And so we sectioned the art gallery into different rooms and made it into a house. So we had like the kitchen sponsored by Shea Moisture, the bedroom sponsored by Aunt Jackie's, the bathroom sponsored by Cream of Nature. So like every room was a different brand and had a different feel. And we had about 2,500 people come to that event or that experience. And then lockdown happened. So we had to take it online. But there's upside to everything because we had about 11,000 people engaged in the experience online. And so last year we had the event in London Bridge Station, which was, again, a really good turnout. And we also had it online because we learned how to do that thanks (laughs) to COVID. (laughs) And then this year it's at Birmingham New Street Station and it's open for a really long time finally getting out of London finally getting out of London and again having a lot of fun with the theme the decor and just engaging with that community because Birmingham's our second biggest UK city but we don't ever do much there so it's a good opportunity for us to get to know those consumers do you ever get men buying your products or is it Totally yes. women. It's always day one of the pop-up. They're like, my girlfriend sent me here. She's at work and she's on FaceTime. She's like, get that one, that one. <laughs> yes, yeah. yes. It's always, it's always that one. Um, so they're either coming on behalf of their girlfriends and they're on FaceTime or they're walking in and saying like, look, I don't know what I need. I've seen that in my bathroom. My mum uses that. What should I use? And then we will like build the box for them. Oh, that's really cool. Yeah. It's almost like a chemist. You get to give them your prescription and we say, this is what you need. You know, in some ways it's difficult because the, the whole community thing, mm-hmm. I sort of think, and you may disagree with this, so tell me if you do, but I sort of think part of the reason that you end up with such a strong community is because it's women. Yes, I have yeah. to agree. I definitely have to agree. I think there's something that happens when women come together. I think there's like just this mutual understanding and this like silent knowing amongst women. And so, yeah, I think the way that women support each other in particular um, in like communities and spaces that are specifically for us, I think that's very unique. And I think they're so, so powerful when they take off. 
So that was this week's episode of BWB Extra, and we'll be back with a new episode next week. Until then, it's goodbye.